Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 11.36 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. It is the fourth day of the last month of this year, 2023, the year of our Lord. And this is episode, a palindrome episode, 828 of Bitcoin and way too much stuff to cover, way too little time. We're going to start down south in Brazil. From Bitcoin Magazine, Reed McDonald writing, Brazil's largest private bank, Itau Unibanco, launches Bitcoin trading. So I'm stumbling over the name, but just understand, Brazil's largest private bank has launched Bitcoin trading. Brazil's financial landscape witnessed a seismic shift as the largest private bank in Brazil, the nation's largest, sorry, the nation's largest private bank in Brazil, announced its foray into the world of cryptocurrency trading Monday. That would be today, introducing a service that allows its customers to engage in buying and selling Bitcoin and Ether uh, via its ION investment plan platform. Making a significant move for a traditional banking institution, ITAO follows newer financial entities like Nubank and BTG Pactual, both of which have integrated such offerings for their clientele. Initially, ITAL's customers will have access to trade Bitcoin and Ether, the primary cryptocurrency of the Ethereum network. However, the rollout of this service will be gradual with selective access granted to customers registered with ION contingent upon regulatory clarity. There it is again. Guto Antunes, head of ITAL Digital Assets, emphasized the bank's cautious approach, highlighting that the custody of Bitcoin traded on ION would be managed by I2 themselves, ensuring asset segregation, but withholding access to the private keys of the wallets from platform users. Not your keys, not your cheese. Okay, they're holding the private keys. Essentially, they're announcing to you that if you buy Bitcoin on their platform, they're going to give you an IOU. So be aware, all right? Not everything is good for Bitcoin. But uh, take it uh, with whatever grain of salt you want to. Okay. Now, continuing. Notably, um, he clarified that for the initial phase, external Bitcoin deposits into I2 accounts and withdrawals to customers' personal digital wallets will not be available. Okay. So even more restrictions, even more restrictions. At least they're holding the Bitcoin themselves and freaking not using Coinbase for love of God. Instead, the blank bank pledges the security of its balance sheet to safeguard invested amounts, likening it to the security customers experience when their money remains in a traditional bank account. Elsewhere, a Tunis shed light on I2's focus on attracting new customers by offering opportunities in Bitcoin. Quote, we are in a generation that grows up and uses banking in a tokenized way, he said. Though the move is a significant step, it's one that showcases how traditional banks still equate Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, with the bank here giving no indication of the scrutiny centralized cryptocurrencies are under the U.S. and other jurisdictions. So what have we learned today already, boys and girls? We've got the largest private bank in Brazil. That's going, that is how, has announced that you can buy Bitcoin on their platform. Okay. You don't own that Bitcoin. You own an IOU. Okay. That rule number one, not your key is not your cheese. Second, if you do hold your own keys and for whatever reason you find it, that it would be 
applicable or, you know, a nice thing to be able to take some of your already previously owned Bitcoin and send it over to your account at ITO, forget it. That's not happening. And third, if you have Bitcoin there, like in the first iteration or the first thing that I was saying, it's an IOU. They're not going to allow you to withdraw your Bitcoin to your own private key. All right. So as much as this is, you know, like the news is going to be yet another bolstering for the price of Bitcoin, it is not the service you are looking for. Ladies and gentlemen, these are not the droids you're looking for. What you're looking for is being able to hold your own Bitcoin, not an IOU, but your own UTXOs with your own private key that you and you alone have access to. All right. So just keep that in mind. But that is going on in Brazil as of today. Vote with your money and your feet. Hmm. Bitcoin Magazine, David Waugh and Dave Birnbaum is writing this one. Individual voting, often considered a civic duty, has a statistically negligible impact on election outcomes. Studies show minimal difference between Republican and Democratic state governments on various policy outcomes. If you haven't figured, we're talking about the United States. Politicians often declare every election as the most important of our lifetimes to rally their supporters. However, despite increased voter turnout, change remains elusive. Government keeps growing, but trust and satisfaction in government institutions continues to decline. 70% of Americans trust the presidency some or very little, and economic confidence among U.S. adults is minus 41 on a scale of minus 100 to positive 100. That's a low score, ladies and gentlemen. 74% of Americans think economic conditions are worsening. Yeah, they are. So vote with your money. There are other ways that individuals affect change besides voting in elections. For example, consumers vote with their money all the time when they choose which goods and services to purchase. This serves as a signal to producers such as entrepreneurs and companies about what the market wants them to produce. An infamous example is the launch of New Coke by Coca-Cola in 1985. Furious consumers rejected the new flavor. Some even started campaigns to urge the company to return the original Coke product. In less than a year, Coca-Cola reversed course and admitted the mistake. It wasn't a mistake. That shit was done on purpose. Today, marketers remember New Coke as perhaps the most famous product flop in history. But the episode also demonstrates the rapidity of consumer feedback loops and the impact people have when they vote with their money. I have to do this. I have to pause to, to say something about the new Coke launch. Ladies and gentlemen, Coca-Cola, when they launched new Coke in 1985, knew full well. Now, I don't know this for a fact, but it's beyond a gut feeling. And plus, I've read several stories about this shit ever since this entire thing occurred. Everybody knew that nobody wanted new Coke. They just liked the old flavor. So why would Coke do this? To bolster the sales of their original formula. In fact, days, within days after announcing the launch of new Coke, because they didn't just launch new Coke, they said they were replacing the old Coke, the classic original Coca-Cola flavor with new Coke. You wouldn't be able to get the old Coke anymore. That was part of the marketing message. It was plain as day. It was, there was no confusion. New Coke was going to replace old Coke, not not be on the same shelf alongside its its you know grandparent, right? No, it was grand grandpa was going away. Coke knew it was going to flop, <clears throat> and what happened is it touched off a firestorm of people going into grocery stores and buying case after case after case of old Coke. They cleared their entire inventory. From store, from sea to shining sea, within weeks, they were sold out of old Coke. You couldn't find it. You could find new Coke and nobody liked it, right? And when, new, when old Coke was announced again, 
There was much fanfare, and it was one of the greatest marketing manipulations of the American public in the history of marketing propaganda. It wasn't a mistake, and people keep thinking it was. It was not. Okay, there you go. (laughs) Vote with your feet. Another approach is with voting with your feet or relocating to areas where the cultural environment Economic opportunities and other factors better align with your priorities. As populations shift, governments are motivated to adapt their policies to maintain their tax base. During the pandemic and its aftermath, many Americans relocated away from states with strict policies of businesses and school closures. A migration of historic proportions took place as people moved from states like California and New York to Florida and, of all places, Tennessee. California's population declined in 2020 for the first time in over 100 years. Bitcoiners are taking these actions to another level by opting out of fiat money entirely. However, this may give rise to unique challenges depending on where they live. That raises the question, which locations best serve Bitcoiners' needs? As we looked for answers, we were inspired to consolidate our research into a report that we call the Bitcoin Index. Each United States state is ranked from 0 to 100 points according to their alignment with the likely priorities of Bitcoiners. Inspirations for this index include the Sound Money Defense League's Sound Money Index as well as Cato Institute's Freedom in the 50 States Index. The Free State Project in New Hampshire, which aims to attract enough libertarians to the state to influence policy in a pro-freedom direction, was another source of inspiration. However, what sets the Bitcoin Index apart is that it is written by Bitcoiners for Bitcoiners. Composing the Index The Bitcoin Index provides an analysis of all 50 states using nine different indicators across four top-level categories, cost of living, business friendliness, monetary freedom, and proactive positioning. We allocate up to 25 points per category with a maximum of 100 points per state. States can receive negative points for policies that are significantly out of sync with Bitcoiner priorities. Uh, business, okay, so yeah. So there now are like four maps. There's the business friendliness map, and it's a straight up map of the United States that's color coded to these point allocations, which I'm going to get to in a second. So we got one for business friendliness and monetary freedom and the cost of living and the whole proactive positioning thing. Now, in using the index, technology has given us the freedom to choose where we live and work. While the number of people who own Bitcoin is increasing every day, With higher mobility and the rise of remote work, governments will need to pay more attention to the needs of Bitcoin owners when formulating their policies. It's not inconceivable to imagine national and regional governments worldwide setting up rules and regulations explicitly to attract Bitcoiners. It already happened in El Salvador, and while researching the Bitcoin index, we discovered that it is happening in several United United States states as well. We hope that the Bitcoin community finds the Bitcoin index useful as a guide to help find the ideal places to live, work, and raise a family in a community that aligns with their values. Okay, so that's that's the, the entirety of the article. I got a big problem with you people. I'm sorry. I got a big, big problem with you people <clears throat> because I went to the website. You know, I'm looking at these maps that that are uh, that they gave over to a Bitcoin magazine as part of this article, and I am like I well not furious, but I was disappointed in the type of information that it was showing. I'll get to that in a sec. So I go over to the Bitcoin index, the actual website where this report and 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 it's the same maps. Why, why am I upset about this? Because in not okay, let me just back up a bit about my history. I was trained as a scientist in the biological sciences, all right, cell and molecular biology. When I was working in laboratories, it was very evident how you represent data. 
And if there's ever a situation where you throw up a graph and you don't like, I don't know, a graph of something over time and you don't label your axes, you just assume that people understand that the x-axis is time and the y-axis is whatever you're measuring. That's not evident, ladies and gentlemen. You actually have to freaking spell it out. Otherwise, even if you're smart as, if you're just smart as, more smart than the typical average bird, even those people will become confused as to what the data is suggesting to you. And this is exactly that case. Because I have like, like for instance, I'm just going to pick on this one map, business friendliness. And it's got one, two, three, four, five color categories that the states are grouped into. So from light blue to very dark blue. And light blue states are like California with a score of zero to five. And those are points. They explain the points. Is zero better or is a hundred better? You see what I'm getting at? They never actually answered this question. So when you're looking at these maps, you have to make a data assumption, which is always bad. It's always bad when you assume that 100 is actually the best score. I don't know. See, that's the thing. I have to infer that business friendliness has to be the higher score is the better business friendliness. And why do I say that? Because New York and New Jersey and California are basically scoring very, very low for business friendliness. And I know for a fact that business friendliness is not good in California. I mean, it's just not. We know that for a fact. We know California is a crappy place to do business. But I had to, the problem is, is that I had to infer that information from the data. So guys, please, when you put up maps or, or charts or graphs of anything, whether it's Bitcoin related or not, label your axes. Make sure that if there's a scale from zero to a hundred that you say a hundred is better than zero or that zero is better than a hundred. Because without that, you have to infer, presume, and assume. And assuming makes an ass out of you and me. But all that said, it is once you figure it out, you know, it's like it, I'm pretty sure that the more points is better, right? I, but it took me a while to, to put that shit together. So given that assumption that, you know, that the more points are better, cost of living, you're going to do well in Oklahoma and Louisiana. Business friendliness, you've got like Idaho, Utah, Nebraska, it looks like uh, West or uh, Virginia. You you know a couple of other states are good for monetary freedom. Montana, Wyoming, Utah again, pretty much top the list. Proactive positioning, eh, it's just that's more nuanced than I want to get into. But it you know it does show on these maps definitely do show the situation with you know. Kind of, if you're going to vote with your feet, where do you go? And in all these maps, uh, what's really kind of rare for all these maps is that New Hampshire isn't scoring as high as some of these other states. And New Hampshire is that whole uh, walking to freedom and the, you know, uh, the, the freedom, uh, uh, freedom maneuvering that New Hampshire started, uh, the Free State Project. You would think that New Hampshire would... At this point, after 10 years, actually, I think it's longer than that, that that project, the Free State Project's been going on, that it would be a better environment. Still to this day, it's not. And they, a bunch of libertarians continue to move in to New Hampshire. So maybe one of these days it will turn into a state like it's supposed to and everything's going to be all, all great. But until that day, we're just going to continue on as we are. But again, this is... The Bitcoin index, Bitcoin index, and let's see, it is coinbits.app, the forward slash, the hyphen Bitcoin, the or uh, hyphen index. 
the hyphen Bitcoin hyphen index. So that's where you can go if you want to go find it. Now back down south to El Salvador, where the national treasury is now in profit after Bitcoin surges above $40,000, Bitcoin magazine and who's writing it, but none other than Reed McDonald. El Salvador's national Bitcoin treasury is back in the green. At least that's the latest data from NaibTracker.com, a website dedicated to following the performance of El Salvador's President Naib Bukele's decision to invest in Bitcoin in 2021. The website tracks the time and date of known purchases, as well as those that Bukele has pledged to follow through on. According to the data, the total investment of $127 million has yielded a current value increase of $4 million, translating to a profit of 3.17% in the positive direction. The data appeared to be confirmed Monday through posts on Twitter by Bukele, who recently stepped down from the presidency because he's running for re-election. Still, the bulk of this performance rests on the idea that Bukele followed through in a public commitment to purchase one Bitcoin a day since November 17th, 2022. If he did, Bitcoin purchased on that date is up 58% since the acquisition. That said, Bukele has yet to confirm or speak publicly about whether the country acquired an additional 360 Bitcoin over the last year. In accordance with his announcement, it would pursue a dollar cost averaging strategy. Notably, his post today seems to verify the data for the first time. Elsewhere, the overall investment showcases a mix of gains and losses, with the most significant single-day increase occurring on July the 1st, 2022, when an investment of $19,000 per Bitcoin resulted in a staggering 119.81% surge in value. Conversely, there were moments of decline, such as on November 26, 2021, at a price of over $60,000, a purchase whose value is still down 29.14%. However, with Bitcoin's price surging above $40,000 in optimism, Uh, that a Bitcoin ETF may be approved in the United States soon, industry bulls believe that even this purchase will soon be back in the black. As Bitcoin continues to assert its influence on the world stage, El Salvador's journey serves as a noteworthy case study for other countries exploring the intersection of traditional finance and the rapidly evolving landscape of cryptocurrency. All right, so what else to say about this? Well, it's this one, at least this one post by Naib Bukele himself. Um, Let's see. Yep, here it is. I've got his post up here on Twitter. And Naib Bukele wrote the following. El Salvador's Bitcoin investments are in the black. After literally thousands of articles and hit pieces that ridiculed our supposed losses, all of which were calculated based on Bitcoin's market price at the time. With the current Bitcoin market price, If we were to sell our Bitcoin, we would not only recover 100% of our investment, but also make a profit of three, uh, wait a minute. Oh God. Uh, There's, hold on. There's no, (laughs) Jesus. I'm just going to say $3,620,277.13. Guys at over there, like naive, please use commas or Something to denote the decimal places, please. It's just, it's hard to read when you don't do that. Of course, we have no intention of selling. That has never been our objective. We are fully aware that the price will continue to fluctuate in the future. This does not affect our long-term strategy. Nonetheless, it is important that the naysayers and authors of those hit pieces take back their statements the responsible thing to do would for them to issue retractions, offer apologies, or at the very least acknowledge that El Salvador is now yielding a profit, just as they repeatedly reported that we were incurring losses. If they consider themselves true journalists, they should report this new reality with the same intensity that they reported the previous one. We'll see. Stay tuned. I have two things to say about this tweet. They're not going to issue retractions, apologies, or anything else. That is never going to happen. But two, and this is the most important one for me, you're not remaining humble. 
Naib Bukele as a president of, even though he's stepping down for now because he wants to run for re-election, he's kind of still the president of El Salvador. Okay, let's just let's just say it that way. Even presidents of nations have a tendency to get their shit ahead of their cart and start rolling downhill and eh, saying things that they probably shouldn't say. And it's not that I'm not, I'm, don't get me wrong. I'm not angry. I don't, I don't care. It's just that this is when you're kind of rubbing somebody's face in it. And that's not remaining humble because that shit could backfire. Yeah, sure. Today they're in profit. What about tomorrow? Right. What about the next day? I'm just saying that the universe has an ugly way of bitch slapping you. But in this particular case, since all of us are connected through Bitcoin, it's that's why we stay humble so that we don't incur the wrath of karma. We don't incur the wrath of the universe. We just stay humble. We stack sats and we keep our big mouths shut, right? That's pretty much what we've got to do. We've got to keep our big mouths shut. Um, oh, uh, Safiro zapped me 2,100 Satoshis and basically just paid for today's zap stream. Thank you, Safiro. I appreciate that. Uh, also, I had to cut the stream in the middle because I forgot to. I forgot that I needed to run my son's lunch to him at school. So I, he takes precedence. I'm sorry. Uh, that's just the way it is. So the zap stream is jacked. Okay. Uh, the first one is like, you know, the first half of the first part of the show. And then I had to start another one and it's not the same stream. My apologies. Hey, what are you going to do? It's Monday. Anyway, message. Stay humble. Stay humble, guys. Stack your sats, but just stay humble. Because we have Helen Parts also kind of not staying humble. Bitcoin market cap overtakes Berkshire Hathaway and soars past $800 billion. It's true. I mean, for now, it's true. Bitcoin, the original cryptocurrency, is gaining momentum versus global large cap stocks, overtaking the market value of American conglomerate Berkshire Hathaway. Its market cap breached $800 billion on December the 4th after nudging past billionaire investor Warren Buffett's company yesterday on December the 3rd. As Bitcoin surged past $40,000 over the weekend, the market cap rose to above $780 billion, just beating out Berkshire Hathaway's $779 billion market cap it closed on December the 1st, based on its Class A stock, BRK.A. BRK.A has seen a slight decline recently, slipping around 1.3% over the past five days. Despite the recent drop, Berkshire Hathaway is still up 4.7% over the past 30 days and 14.7% for the year to date. The volatility of the shares is nowhere near that of Bitcoin, which has surged 20% over the past month and almost 150% year to date, according to CoinGecko. The cryptocurrency has been steadily hitting multi-month highs recently, surpassing $41,000 on December the 1st for the first time since April 2022. At the time of writing, Bitcoin's market cap amounts to $811 billion. Well, again, I'm going to just stop there because they go into a whole bunch of other stuff. But essentially what's going on is that we've got this surge. It's causing the market price of Bitcoin to also, or the market price to surge as well as the market cap is total capital value is now at somewhere around $800 billion. Uh, When we run the numbers, we'll get a solid read on that. But that shit changes throughout the day by a few billion dollars, you know, every couple of minutes. So understand volatility still exists. But what always remains true is not to rub the faces of these people in the shit pile that they themselves laid we should probably be taking the higher road and just lit if they want to if they want to you know waddle around in in the mire that on their own well shit let them i'm not going to i'm not going to bust my butt to get them out of it but probably not the best idea to tempt fate is all i'm saying and of course all of that 
take that with a grain of salt. That's just the way that I kind of think about things. But yeah, I would rather it if Naib Bukele had taken the higher road and just said absolutely nothing at all. Because that's the way we win. We don't say a thing. We just stay humble and we stack sats. Now, Bitcoin funds are now bloated with cash because investors are rushing in, according to Matt DeSalvo for Decrypt.co. Serious investors continue to flood the market and Bitcoin funds with cash last week with the biggest 10-week inflow since the height of the 2021 bull run, according to a report today. Digital asset fund manager CoinShare said in a Monday report that money going into crypto investments products last week hit $176 million, reaching a 10-week total of no, $1.76 billion. Total assets under management is up 107% this year and stands at $46.2 billion, which is 47% below the all-time high of $86.6 billion in 2021. The inflows were last this high back in October of 2021 when the first ever Bitcoin futures exchange traded fund hit the American market and broke records when it traded nearly $1 billion in a single day. At that time, Bitcoin was trading for over $64,000 per coin. It is currently priced at 41675 which is 34% lower, but is still way above what it was going for at the start of the year when it was less than $17,000. This has led some analysts to say that a bull run might be on its way. Hype around the potential approval of a spot Bitcoin ETF after a decade is leading investors to pour money into the space. Bloomberg intelligence analysts have said that the approval of a spot Bitcoin ETF will most likely happen in January. For now, analysts expect the market will see some updated S1 filings submitted to the SEC as applicants rush to comply with feedback from the regulator. CoinShares added that Bitcoin was the main beneficiary of inflows into investment products such as Grayscale, 21 shares, and ProShares with $133 million in inflows. It further noted that products centered around Ethereum received $31 million in investment while blockchain equities marked their seventh consecutive week of inflows. So the meat of the story is that a shit ton of money is... Flowing into Bitcoin again. Well, and sadly, it's also flowing into the rest of the cryptocurrency and shitcoin and altcoin market. But eh, not much you can do about that. Again, you know, there's a couple of working theses, theses that I have when it comes to Bitcoin. And one is that if Bitcoin allows a thing to be done, that thing will be done like ordinals. Two, well, altcoins ain't ever going away. That doesn't make them good. It's just an indicator of how greedy and stupid people can actually be on a very large scale, a very, very large scale, like 8 billion people scale, that people can be really dumb. And that's why altcoins are never going to go away. The vast majority of them very well may do that, but they will be replaced with new bullshit. So please don't think for a second that one day you'll wake up and Solana will just be dead. It should die, but don't expect it to. All right. Let's run the numbers. CNBC, futures and commodities. West Texas intermediate crude is down just over a point today to $73.28. Apparently, nobody in the trading markets are buying. Saudi Arabia story and Russia story that they're going to cut production. It'll be interesting to see what actually does happen. But Brent North Sea following West Texas Intermediate down 0.85% to $78.21. Natural gas is off 3.66% to $2.71 per thousand. Gasoline is up 1.15% to $2.14 a gallon. Gold is down 38 bucks today. That's a 1.86% down from its high, which is an all-time high, by the way, to $2,050.90. Silver is down 3.5. Platinum is down 1.27. Copper is down 2.5. And palladium is down 3. Lumber is unchanged 
but the biggest winner today is going to be sugar, 3% to the upside, and the biggest loser is coffee, 2% to the downside. Live cattle is down 1.31%. Lean hogs are down a point. Feeder cattle are down 2.13%, while the Dow is down 015 Uh S&P is down 0.69%. NASDAQ is down 1.28%, but the S&P mini is up 0.6%. Bonds, all of them are yielding more today. That's right. All of them are in the green, except for the one and two month treasury bills, which nobody actually gives a shit about. The 10 year is yielding 4.28%. The 20 year, 4.606%. And the 30 year, 4.43%. The dollar index recovering a little bit. It is up 0.41% to 103.68%. That's the index dollar in the ice dollar index, just so you know, Uh, $41,927.52 is the price of Bitcoin right now uh, over here on bitinfocharts.com. It looks like average transaction values are 0.348 BTC. Median transaction values are 21 cents, which means that ordinals through all this crap, are ruling the day. And I, God, you hate to see it. Block times are low, 8 minutes and 56 seconds. Uh, 0.87 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis and a whopping 138 and a quarter taken overall in fees in the last 24 hours with a 22.7% rise in hash rate. We are back up to 583.5 exahashes per second. And as you might suspect, your shitcoin indicator Dogecoin is 8.9 United States pennies. So people are still actually throwing their money into Dogecoin. They don't understand it at all. They don't understand that it was a, a joke coin to combat the uh, th- the creation of Bitcoin. The people that created Dogecoin hated Bitcoin so much. And it wasn't just Bitcoin. It was the, the whole notion of cryptocurrency to them was so freaking silly. And they tried to prove it by making Dogecoin. That was the reason Dogecoin came into existence is that they were trying to show how easy it was to spin up some blockchain. And they did. They spun up Dogecoin. And now people actually don't remember that part and still think that Dogecoin is going to get them rich tomorrow. I I feel bad for these people. I really do. But, you know, what are you going to do about it? Eh, Market cap of Bitcoin is now $818 billion. That is almost just, that's just shy of 6% of gold's market cap. And now, even with gold's historic and quote unquote from somebody in like CNBC, weird rally is what I saw as a headline because they just don't like gold like they don't like Bitcoin. Uh, Anyway, you can now get 20 and a half ounces of shiny metal rocks with your one Bitcoin. Let's just go ahead and move on to the mempool, which as you might imagine is packed and stacked with 338 blocks carrying 233,000 unconfirmed transactions waiting to clear. Uh, We've got high priorities of 153 Satoshis per V-byte. That's going to be about $9 for your standard transaction. All right. 138 Satoshis per V-byte. Uh, which is your low priority and everything under 12.6 Satoshis per V-byte are being purged from mempools around the world. 510.3 exahashes per second is what I've got coming out of mempool.space. So we'll split the difference. We'll take 540, 535 exahashes per second, somewhere around there. That's, yeah, we'll we'll do it that way. Now, uh I am no I am so far down on the charts in Fountain I had to actually just go to my direct link to find the boostograms for today from show 827 it's our fault it still was it and I still I still stand by that statement nick underscore dose with 13369 sats the government is a mirror of our apathy cheers dobrovko with 1360 says quote this bitcoin water usage criticism article Brought to you by Nestle. Nestle, turning human rights into human needs. End quote. Pies with a thousand says, Sorry, Dave, I completely disagree with you on the ocean pool blocking those clown NFTs and wizard weirdos. All right. If someone doesn't like it, they can go mine and transact with another pool. Because honestly, if if 
I ever saw someone in real life who was into NFTs and ordinals on Bitcoin, I would struggle not to beat the shit out of them for making the fees so high for average working class people like myself and underprivileged poor people around the globe that rely on Bitcoin and Lightning to transact. I I understand exactly where you're coming from, Pies. I really do. But here's here's another way to look at it. Again, the thesis is, if Bitcoin allows something to occur, then that thing will occur on Bitcoin. And right now, Bitcoin allows ordinals to occur. And I understand where you're coming from. Making the fee, fees high. Yes, I want to strangle him too. Udi Wertheimer and that jackass, that other jackass that's his, I don't know, that's his wife or whatever. I don't, I don't know if they're, if they're into that kind of thing or not. But I, I literally, both of them can go burn in hell for what they're doing. The problem is, let's say that I was able to snap my fingers. And boom, Udi Wertheimer and his wife are now burning in hell. Guess what happens? Somebody else does the same shit. Somebody else is going to do the exact same shit. This, this isn't going to stop. No matter how much we hate it, no matter how much we get mad, and I understand your anger. I'm angry about it too, okay? Don't think that you're alone, and don't think for a second that I don't have the exact same feelings that you do about this stupid bullshit, because I do. Everything about ordinals is, is stupid beyond compare. I hate that it's happening. But Bitcoin allows it to happen. And we didn't see it when SegWit and Taproot got installed. Nobody really saw this coming, which is one of the reasons that the only real way to stop this stupid crap from happening in the future is to ossify Bitcoin right now, today, right where it is. No other upgrades. But even then, even then with what we already have, I guarantee you there's something there that is going to allow somebody to do something on Bitcoin that you and I also both don't like. It's how, how are we going to deal with it is my question. That's the only way out of all this is how do we choose to deal with it? It doesn't mean that it makes it any better. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't be just as pissed off as you are. I get it. But it's going to happen and it's not going to stop. It's just, I don't know what to tell you. I wish I had better news for you, Pies. I just, I just don't. But I understand exactly where you're coming from. Motored with 555 says, thank you, sir, for doing what you do. Pies with 500 says, peace and love from Dirty Jersey. God's death with 370. Thank you, sir. This is one of the best shit analyses, an- analogies and I love shit analogies. Owen won 100 sats with a heart. Pies with 100 says, by the way, thank you for putting me on to get Albie. You're welcome, Pies. That's going to do it for the weather report. Welcome to part two of the news that you can use now for the bad news. It's always got to be some no bullshit. Bitcoin brings it to us. Listen up, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, <clears throat> before I read the headline, put yourself in a different space. We've been talking about all the bullish stuff. Yeah, it went past Berkshire Hathaway and Warren Buffett's all pissed off, and Charlie Munger's probably rolling rolling over in his freshly dug grave. I whatever. <clears throat> Naibu Kelly's rubbing the face of all the journalists into the, the the crap that they laid on the floor with all of their really crappy journalists. Uh, so everything's bullish for Bitcoin, right? No, we're, we're squarely in the then they fight you phase. Don't you remember? Don't you? Just because the price is almost going to clip $42,000 again today does not excuse you from having to understand the following. The United States Treasury seeks massive expansion of warrantless surveillance and powers to sanction open source software. They're coming after FOSS. The United States Treasury is now coming after FOSS, free and open source software. Quote, this week, 
the United States Department of Treasury sent a letter to the heads of the Senate Banking and House Financial Services Committees, including, sorry, included with the letter was a memo titled, quote, Potential Options to Strengthen Counter-Terrorist Financing Authorities. They're wrapping it in terrorism, just so you know exactly what that means. Um, There were several recommendations, but three are particularly noteworthy, wrote Coin Center. Quote, so much of the analysis of these proposals will ultimately depend on how they are drafted in legislative texts. Number one, Treasury's proposals begin with vague recommendations about a new authority analogous to secondary sanctions. While vague in form, Treasury has previously advocated for limitations on certain, quote, transmittal of funds, end quote, a term intended to give the Treasury Department authority to stop U.S. financial institutions from engaging in certain cryptocurrency transactions. These special measures range from information gathering and record keeping requirements to a complete prohibition on the United States financial institution from having a correspondent account or a payable through account for a foreign financial institution. Number two, the recommendations go on, however, to claim to close loopholes in Treasury authority. It does this by defining virtual asset wallet providers, certain blockchain validator nodes, ah, that's my node, and decentralized finance services as financial institutions. Mom, I finally made it. I am now a financial institution according to U.S. Treasury. Yay! This definition would make each of these entities subject to the Bank Secrecy Act. Treasury also recommends that DeFi service providers, non-custodial wallet providers, miners, and validators all be treated the same as financial institutions and banks. I'm a validator. My node validates transactions that they want me put under the Bank Secrecy Act. Number three, finally, the recommendations also include making blockchain nodes or other elements of cryptocurrency transactions subject to the International Emergency Economic Powers Act, which you've probably never heard of before because I sure as hell haven't. This authority would allow Treasury to sanction these entities some of which may only be software. The explanation for why this is necessary includes a mention of tornado cash litigation, which includes a lawsuit Coin Center has filed against Treasury. According to Coindesk, U.S. Treasury is also looking for powers over overseas stablecoin issuers such as Tether. Quote, Deputy Secretary of the Treasury, Wally Idemoa, I can't pronounce his name, has lobbied senior members of Congress with a proposal that he called, quote, a set of common sense recommendations to expand our authority and broaden our tools and resources to go after illicit actors in the digital asset space, reported Coindesk, quote, legislation could explicitly authorize OFAC, the OFAC, to exercise extraterritorial jurisdiction over transactions and stablecoins pegged to the USD as they generally would over USD transactions, the proposal suggested, giving a reach into transactions that the document notes involves no U.S. touchpoints. Quote, I Demoyo doubled down on that idea in his Wednesday remarks saying that non-U.S. stablecoin issuers should not be able to use the U.S. dollar without procedures to prevent terrorists from abusing their platform. This is this is a terrifying thing. I honestly don't think they're going to be able to do this, but that doesn't mean anything at all, really. I might be clearly freaking wrong, and they are able to push it through next week. I don't I don't know, but there's something that's so egregious about this that I think that there's going to be internal battles both in on both of these committees as well as in the Senate as a whole and the House of Representatives as a whole. I think Coin Center is going to start suing the living shit out of these people again, and it may actually be worthy of the first class action lawsuit. I don't know because I, I'm not sure if class action if you have if you can only do class action if you've proven physical damage. I don't I'm not sure about that. If you got a lawyer, if any of you listen to me that's a lawyer out there, you know, 
please feel free to correct my ass. But there, this just this needs to stop because all this is now is defensive posturing by people that are terrified of losing their power. I don't remember signing up to give them such power. I don't remember approving the Bank Secrecy Act. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm being naive. Of course you didn't approve it. You voted for the people that did approve it. I had no idea that anybody that I voted for was actually going to have anything to do with something called the Bank Secrecy Act. Okay, so this all needs to stop. How? I don't know. Right now, the only avenue available to plug this hole is just lawsuit after lawsuit and those are very expensive. And when you sue and when you sue the treasury, you're not suing for damages, you're suing to get them to stop shit. And if you win, maybe they'll cover your court cost. But you're still going to be paying through the nose to litigate this shit and you're not going to get any money on the back end to pay yourself back with. Because you're not claiming damages, you're claiming Cease and desist. You want them to stop. But I still think Coin Center is going to maybe file another lawsuit. I don't know. I don't know any of the guys over at Coin Center. But at this point, each individual state now needs to write a letter to the United States federal government and tell them to go pound sand. Because none of this shit is described in the body of the Constitution of the United States, which makes it a Tenth Amendment situation. If it's not written and explicitly defined in the text, the body text of the Constitution of the United States, which does not include the Bill of Rights, then it is up to the state to make a decision as to whether something is legal or illegal. That's the Tenth Amendment. Texas, state of Washington, Idaho, New York, although they'll go they'll do whatever Washington tells them to. The point is is that all these states at this point can just tell the federal government, go pound sand. We're not going to help you indict anybody. At this point, states should just start kicking the FBI offices out of their state. If you are a federal employee, that has anything to do with the Justice Department, the executive branch, or the judicial branch, you're gone. You're excommunicated. You're just gone. I don't know how else to stop this shit, except lawsuits and a very proactive stance using the Tenth Amendment as a baseball bat to beat the living shit out of the federal government with. And if all 50 states are doing it, or even if a handful of the 50 states are doing it, it might actually work. I don't know, but we've got other fish to fry because the Bitcoin price rally to 42,000 was driven by spot volumes and not Bitcoin futures contract liquidations. Marcel Peckman for Cointelegraph tells us more. In the past seven days, Bitcoin experienced a whopping 14.5% surge, hitting a 20-month high at 41,130. Traders and analysts have been abuzz with speculation, especially in the wake of the $100 million liquidation of short or bearish Bitcoin futures within just 24 hours. However, when we dive into the derivatives data, a different story unfolds, one that places the spotlight on spot market action. While the Chicago Mercantile Exchange trades USD settled contracts for Bitcoin futures where no physical Bitcoin changes hands, these futures markets undoubtedly play a crucial role in shaping spot prices. The sheer scale of Bitcoin futures with an aggregate open interest of $20 billion underscores the keen interest of professional investors. In the same seven-day period, a mere $200 million worth of BTC future shorts were liquidated, representing only 1% of the total outstanding contracts. This figure pales in comparison to the substantial $190 billion in trading volume during the same time frame. Even when focusing solely on the CME, which is known for potential trading volume inflation, the daily volume of $2.67 billion should have readily absorbed a $100 million 24-hour liquidation. This has led investors to ponder 
Whether the recent Bitcoin rally might be attributed to the targeting of a few whales within the futures markets. One could attempt to gauge the extent of liquidations at different price intervals or price levels using tape reading machines. However, (laughs) this approach fails to consider whether whales and market makers are adequately hedged or have the capacity to deposit additional Bitcoin margin. Despite the surge to a 20-month high, futures and options markets appear relatively subdued. In fact, three key pieces of evidence suggest that there is no compelling reason to anticipate a cascade of short contract liquidations should Bitcoin surpass the $43,500 threshold. Perpetual contracts, also known as inverse swaps, incorporate an embedded rate that is typically recalculated every eight hours. A positive funding rate indicates an increased demand for leverage among long positions, while a negative rate signals the need for additional leverage among short positions. Data reveals a peak of 0.04% per eight hours earlier on December the 4th, but this level, equivalent to 0.9% per week, proved fairly short-lived. The current weekly rate places minimal pressure on leverage-seeking longs, indicating a lack of urgency among retail traders. Conversely, there is no sign of exhaustion amongst bears. To evaluate whether Bitcoin perpetual swaps represent, represent an anomaly, attention turns to the BTC monthly futures contracts favored by professional traders for their fixed funding rate. And typically, these contracts trade at a premium of 5 to 10% to account for their extended settlement period. Bitcoin fixed-term futures contracts data reveals a peak premium of 12% on December the 4th, presently resting at 11. This level remains reasonable, especially given the prevailing bullish momentum. Historical rallies in 2021 witnessed premiums surging by beyond 30%, further challenging the notion of a rally predominantly driven by Bitcoin derivatives. Ultimately, with Bitcoin's price surging by 14.5% in seven days and only $200 million worth of short futures contracts liquidated, questions arise regarding whether bears employed conservative leverage or diligently increased margin deposits to safeguard their positions. When considering the funding rate and futures uh, basis rate, there is no clear indication that surpasses the $43,000 mark would trigger substantial stock losses. In essence, the recent surge finds support in spot market accumulation and a decline in the available supply of coins on exchanges. And over the past week, exchanges recorded a net outflow of 8700 No, 8,275 Bitcoin, according to Coinglass. It means that people are actually buying the underlying asset. That this isn't really about what's going on in the futures market. This is liquidity drying up because people are trying to get their hands on Bitcoin. And the Bitcoin just isn't there. Not to the point that this entire price surge would have had to have been driven by something other than people just wanting to buy the underlying asset of Bitcoin itself. I hope that makes sense. We've got a couple of other things to get through and we're going to do this one. Uh, TabConf 2024 to take place on October the 23rd through the 26th in Atlanta, Georgia. That's going to be the next Tab Conference. TabConf 2024 is in October of next year, the 23rd through the 26th. So please, ladies and gentlemen, make your airplane reservations now. Or, well, the first point, if you're going to go to TabConf, now is the time to start thinking about how that's going to work for you. Just saying. Okay, switching gears to value for value. Got a note here on Noster from a guy named Just Loud. He says the following. I made $30 on V4V already. I didn't see a dime of 10 million Spotify streams. Do I need to read that to you again? I made 30 bucks on V4V already. I didn't see a dime of 10 million Spotify streams. So Spotify by themselves was streaming this guy's music 10 million times. And just loud, didn't make a penny. 
He gets on value for value, and I don't know how long he's been doing it, but this was 20 hours ago is when this note came up. Okay, so yesterday sometime, almost a full day ago, this guy announces that he made 30 bucks on value for value. The music industry, the movie industry, all of those industries are going to perish. And it's going to be because value for value. In fact, you can you can pretty much kiss subscriptions of any kind goodbye. They're just going to go away. Right? Now, the newspapers and magazines will be the last people to do it and they will probably be replaced by the publica- the web-based publications like Bitcoin Magazine and others that come up that start allowing their premium content to be purchased directly for Satoshis via the Lightning Network using things like GitAlbi and Noster Identities. And it goes further. Software that you have to rent now, because like Adobe... You don't get to buy Adobe, as far as I know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong, and if I am, I don't mind being wrong. But most of, all of what I see from Adobe is now, you can get Photoshop for like the low, low price of $20 a month. And you can get the suite for, I don't know, something else, a month. It's a subscription model. I don't think they allow you to actually purchase the whole thing, and you just have it forever. I don't think that that occurs anymore. You know, and but here's my problem with it. If I was using Photoshop like 12 hours a day, every single day, then 20 bucks a month is is worth it. I use Photoshop maybe two times a day, five minutes a piece. I want to be able to fire up Photoshop and pay them streaming Satoshis while I'm using the mouse in their program. They the the program knows when it's got it's con, the websites and or, or like browsers and other programs are all basically context specific. When you click on it, it becomes the active window, and what you do inside that window is now is basically trackable, right? So Adobe knows if I'm would be knowing if I was using tools in Adobe to do something that I use Adobe for. Okay, while I'm doing that, that's when the sat starts streaming. And then my mouse cursor drifts off and I start doing something else, something completely different. For 15 whole minutes, I'm not streaming Satoshis to Adobe to use Photoshop. Now, I don't expect Adobe to actually do this. They will be supplanted by the people that make a replica of Photoshop um, and allow that to occur. Those will be the winners. You're you're going to see a whole sea change, and it begins with people like Just Loud, who is trying to tell you that after 10 million Spotify streams and not making a fucking penny out of it, he made 30 bucks cold hard cash in Satoshi's via value for value. Just I'm just saying, sea changes are coming. And that's one of the reasons why I'm not all that conflicted about the the fact that we're squarely in the then they fight you phase, right? I'm not conflicted by that at all. In fact, I welcome it because these guys are going to be hit on like Treasury, Justice Department, CFTC, and then we're going to get into the people that regulate or have something to do with regulations on Hollywood and music. All of them are going to be getting hit over and over and over and over again so hard and so many times they won't know who to sue. It's going to be like this tsunami. We say we are in the then they fight you stage. I contend that they are in the we fight them stage. They are fighting us We are fighting back. This is the first time in history I've ever seen anything like this because we've got them surrounded. If we don't have them surrounded, we've definitely got them flanked, at least on one side of their positions. And all you have to do on the battlefield is flank your enemy. If you have the flanking force, you're probably going to win that day. And we are flanking them. 
They're coming at us headlong because we've got the money. We've got real money. It's money that makes sense. It's money that they don't control. That's the brunt of their fighting force. Yet value for value is in all the stuff that I was just describing. That's a right flanking maneuver. And it's directly connected to Bitcoin via lightning, Noster, Wavelake, Satellite.Earth, you name it, Zapstream, you name it, man. We've got the flanking maneuver down. We're going to win this. It's going to be bloody. It's going to suck, but we're going to win this. They don't know that they are in the we, now they fight you phase. The they in that particular sentence is us. You've never seen that before, have you? And they sure as shit haven't seen them. And we have the element of surprise here. It's the builders, the engineers, the developers, and the users. We're going to win the day. Because they cannot stop that shit. Why do you think the Treasury Department wants to go after open source software? Because it's crushing them. It's crushing them on all fronts. But I still contend that the federal governments of nations around the world do not understand that they have now been flanked. And if we can keep the flanking momentum alive, we're going to clean their clocks. You know what? We're going to end that on that note, and I will see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.